One Up Media. It's August 12, 1985, and up in the sky, there's trouble. We're losing altitude. 6,800 meters. 5,200. 4,100. As Flight 123 descended, airline captain Masami Takahama's clarity returned. The thicker air at lower altitudes provided a brief break, clearing the fog of hypoxia that had clouded their judgments. The last 90 seconds aboard the Boeing 747 felt like a relentless roller coaster ride in the heavens. Initially, it would shoot up fast, only to slow down like the peak of a roller coaster before a steep plunge seemingly hurtling towards an inevitable catastrophe. But as it sped downwards, the lift increased, sending the plane up once again in a terrifying cycle. (laughs) Amid this oscillation, the cockpit's instruments flickered chaotically, mirroring the chaos outside. Gazing out, Captain Takahama likely witnessed the horizon in a dizzying dance of approach and retreat. In the cockpit, Takahama and his first officer were fighting a losing battle. The plane and everyone on it were running out of time. As the air got thicker and reality descended now in full view on Takahama, he realized that the plane was veering rightwards, of course. Their decisions now and thereafter will be critical, not only because of their own survival. This wasn't just any plane, it was a Boeing 747, one of the largest passenger airlines in service, and Flight 123 was filled to capacity. Every choice they made had the potential to impact the lives of over 500 passengers. While fighting to regain control of the plunging aircraft, Captain Takahama's gaze fell upon a looming, terrifying obstacle ahead. The towering peaks of Mount Takamagahara, with its highest point reaching 2,000 meters. In this critical moment within the cockpit, the gravity of their situation became apparent. To avoid the mountains, they must generate enough lift. Paradoxically, this meant accelerating their downward trajectory, heading straight for the very mountains they were desperately trying to avoid. From Warner Media, this is Mass Murders. Flight 123 is the single most devastating plane crash in history. Crashing at an astonishing speed of 630 kilometers per hour, the g-force from the abrupt acceleration surpasses 100 g's, far beyond the human body's limit for survival. This catastrophe stands as one of the most heart-wrenching losses of life in history, unveiling how one oversight transformed into a lethal flaw. On August 12, 1985, this oversight 
would lead to the tragic loss of half a thousand lives. Yet amidst this tragedy, emerges a story of remarkable human resilience. It poses a profound question. Faced with an unthinkable crisis, how do we react? What choices do we make when all hope seems lost? Japan Airlines has captured the spirit of the Japanese garden aboard its new spacious 747 garden jet. Japan Airlines was founded by the Japanese national government on the 1st of August 1951. Initially focused on local air transportation, JAL embarked on its first commercial international flight on the 2nd of February 1954, carrying 18 passengers from Tokyo to San Francisco. Over the next 15 years, JAL's network expanded globally, securing direct routes to the US and Russia, even amid Cold War tensions. To the rest of the world, experiencing Japanese customer service for the first time was nothing short of revolutionary. In the West, the approach to customer service varied widely, reflecting the unique cultures and customs of each country. In the US and UK, the mantra was clear. The customer is always right. Over in Spain and Italy, they believed the customer always had a reason. And in Germany, the customer was king. But Japan took it to another level. Their philosophy was simple yet profound. Okyakusama wa kamisama. The customer is a god. By the early 1970s, JAL had transformed into a global juggernaut and became the first Asian airliner. To purchase fleets of Boeing 747s, a wide-bodied airliner that could carry over 500 passengers. Fast forward to the mid-1980s, and JAL, not even 35 years old, was already outshining its eastern competitors and going head-to-head -head with western giants. A significant factor in JAL's edge was the seemingly endless pool of liquidity it enjoyed, thanks to Japan's lower interest rates. This financial leverage meant JAL had 10 times less interest expenses, allowing so much flexibility that it even ventured into acquiring the Marriott Hotel in Manhattan in 1984. JAL's journey resembled that of a rapidly ascending startup, powered by what appeared to be an unending flow of capital. However, they might have been accelerating too fast. In the airline industry. Where each flight means safeguarding over 500 lives high above the clouds, precision and caution are paramount. There's absolutely no margin for error. On August 12, 1985, it would be a date that would test JAL like never before, thrusting them into unprecedented turbulence. August 12, 1985. Marks the eve of Obon, a revered Japanese festival commemorating the spirits of ancestors. It's a time for families dispersed across Japan to return to their ancestral homes, tending to and honoring the graves of their loved ones. Among those journeying home is Yumi Ochiai, a 26-year-old flight attendant, newly married. Her childhood dreams of exploring the globe led her to the skies, but today, she's off duty, heading back to her family. In Osaka, she boards Flight 123. Flight 123, a routine domestic route from Tokyo's Haneda Airport to Osaka, is a well-trodden path for JAL. 
typically a swift 54-minute journey from start to finish. The aircraft, a seasoned Boeing 747 SR-46, boasts over 25,000 flight hours and around 18,000 journeys. It's a veteran of this route, designed to repeatedly make this trip flawlessly. Late in the afternoon, around 5 p.m., the 15-member crew boards. Captain Masami Takahama, a 49-year-old seasoned pilot, takes the lead, backed by an experienced flight engineer, Hiroshi Fukara. The first officer, Yutaka Sasaki, a rising star and is training to become captain, is no stranger to Flight 123, having piloted it before, sometimes even in the captain's seat. Collectively, the trio has logged 25,000 hours of flight time, with over 40% on 747s. This expert team is well-versed in handling the 747s, and the 54-minute flight to Osaka is expected to be another smooth run. Two mile northeast, turn left at 9-0. You're clear for departure. At 6.12 p.m., Flight 123 is cleared for takeoff on runway 15 left. The flight path of Flight 123 is straightforward. It heads south over Tokyo Bay, then southwest along the coast before angling towards Osaka. Typically, the flight climbs to 7,300 meters, where the air thins. It's crucial to pressurize the cabin during ascent, as without it, the body struggles to absorb sufficient oxygen, leading to hypoxia, a state of confusion and disorientation caused by low oxygen levels. By 6.24 p.m., Flight 123 has just passed over Sagami Bay, and everything appears to be proceeding smoothly. Suddenly, the unexpected strikes, a blast from the rear of the plane. Instantly, the pressurized cabin air rushes out, and the ceiling near the lavatory crumbles. In the cockpit, Captain Masami Takahama, First Officer Yutaka Sasaki, and Flight Engineer Hiroshi Fukara senses immediately that something's amiss. They were cruising at 7,300 meters when the explosion rocked the rear. Beside the engineer, a panel illuminates, signaling trouble. A red light blinks urgently, pointing to a door marked R5. The captain, quick to react, shouts, It could be the back door. R5. Suggesting a possible blowout. Trained for emergencies, JL's crew doesn't hesitate. The captain commands, Quickly, dial 7700. A distress signal to air traffic control, indicating immediate danger. At air traffic control, Operators monitor a digital map displaying all transiting planes, including their directions and altitudes. The signal from Flight 123 sets off alarms, prompting swift action. Communication with the flight engineer leads air traffic control to suspect that the R5 door has been blown open due to cabin pressure. Protocol kicks in. JL Flight 123, you're cleared to return to Haneda. You're approved for a right-hand turn. On the screen, things seem to be going well. Air traffic control could observe Flight 123 taking a right turn. However, its angle started to appear too steep. It wouldn't bring them back to Haneda. Back in the cockpit, both the captain and first officer realize that their trajectory is incorrect. Despite turning the control wheel left, the plane stubbornly veers right. 
The realization hits them. The steering system has failed. The engineer reports a critical drop in hydraulic pressure. In a plane of this size, steering systems are far too heavy for manual control. They rely on hydraulics. These systems convert the pilot's inputs into powerful forces, directing the plane's rudders. Now, the plane's hydraulic fluid, its vital lifeblood, is rapidly depleting. After several futile attempts to regain control, the stark truth dawns on the cockpit crew. They're over 7,000 meters in the air, helplessly adrift, without any means to steer. In the cabin, confusion spread as oxygen masks dangled from above. Unaware of the cause, passengers and crew, including off-duty Yumi, hurried to secure the masks. At 7,000 meters, where the air is dangerously thin, the threat of hypoxia loomed, capable of impairing judgment within just 30 seconds. As the cabin crew worked swiftly, the aircraft began a disturbing dance, a repeated pattern of diving and climbing that was unmistakably abnormal. It's now 6.31 p.m., and over seven minutes into the crisis, the pilots, for unknown reasons, had overlooked putting on their own oxygen masks. Under the grip of hypoxia, most victims fall into madness within the first four minutes. Yet remarkably, in these last few minutes, seemingly teetering between consciousness and confusion, the captain had managed to maintain communication with Haneda Airport, deliberating over the next course of action. Haneda's controllers suggested diverting to Nagoya Airport, given their current trajectory and proximity. However, the captain, weighing their options, decided against it. Nagoya, he reasoned, wasn't equipped to handle an emergency landing of a 747 scale. The focus was now on maneuvering back to Haneda. By then, the plane had adopted an erratic pattern of movement, swinging violently up and down, left and right, every 90 seconds, covering 1,500 meters each time. These fierce oscillations threatened to throw the aircraft completely off course, or worse, into a catastrophic plunge. Then at 6.40 p.m., 16 minutes post-explosion, the cockpit crew discovered a sliver of hope. Though the rudders were unresponsive, they found they could independently control the left and right engines. Coordinating the engine power with the plane's rhythmic dips and climbs, they began a precarious balancing act. It was a desperate, calculated dance of fate as they worked to stabilize the plane's erratic movements. Gradually, as they mastered this technique, they increased thrust on the left engine managing to steer the aircraft rightwards, successfully wrestling back control. At air traffic control, the ground team watched as the Boeing made a successful right turn. Its altitude began a steady descent, first to 6,800 meters, then to 4,100 meters. This was a clear indication that Flight 123 was heading back to Haneda. Immediately, all ground personnel were put on high alert. Even a nearby U.S. airbase offered its runways for the Boeing's descent. Flight 123 seemed on course for a safe return, but the air traffic controllers remained on edge. 
The information they had about Flight 123 suggested that the journey back would be anything but smooth. Communications with the cockpit crew hinted at a looming disaster, the possibility that door R5 had ruptured, leading to rapid decompression. The consequences of such an event could be dire. Passengers might be ejected in moments, or the door itself could be violently flung away. There was more than just the safety of those aboard at stake. If the door were to fall in a populated area, it could result in a tragic loss of life among civilians. Furthermore, a collision with the rudders could be catastrophic, potentially destroying the aircraft's tail. With Flight 123 having already reported a loss of hydraulic control, this scenario seemed increasingly plausible. The extent of the damage was uncertain, but it undeniably put the stability of the plane's landing at risk. In the most severe case, the landing, which everyone was hoping for, might end up more as an uncontrolled crash. Mass Murders is a one-up media original. A quick word on our reenactments and dramatizations. While we can't know exactly what they say, think, or feel at the moment, it is all based on research. This episode was executive produced by Guang Jin, produced and written by Ethan Sam, edited by Alex, narrated by Jason, audio experience by Ethan Sam, with additional engineering by Ashley from 1UP Media. Thank you for listening. We'll see you in the next one. 